0: To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Daily Balance THC-free line of oils, soft gels, and gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, wherein we answer your questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. With me today, of course, is Layla Mutin. The self-same Layla, for whom this podcast is named. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> The eponymous.
0: The eponymous Layla. Uh, because each week uh, we get together and we look at the questions that people have sent us. And we do a deep dive on those subjects. And I think it's great because it's kind of the way we practice in collaboration. You know, I work the medical end and to a certain extent the nutritional end. But uh, once I'm done with the patients, Layla sees them and she does a very, very intensive uh, nutrition intervention with them, you know, taking a complete nutrition history and then uh, working on uh, their diet. Uh, often discovering some things that I might have missed, you know, like sometimes it turns out that patients are guzzling diet soda, unbeknownst to me. And I might have missed that uh, in our uh, initial encounter. I have so much to worry about in terms of writing down all their medications and their medical uh, situations. So uh, we're going to collaborate on today's Q&A with Layla. Uh, how are you doing today?
1: Okay, Dr. Hoffman, I was just thinking, sometimes it's a case of I don't want the doctor to think poorly of me.
0: (laughs) Okay. So
1: I can't tell him that I drink diet soda.
0: Are you saying that we're a little bit like good cop, bad cop? You know, maybe, you know, it's kind of like it's like an interrogation technique, you know, where a guy comes in and he grabs somebody by the collar and he smacks him around (laughs) and then he leaves the room. And then another guy comes in, offers the the prisoner a a cigarette, you know, or a cup of coffee, uh, you know, orders him a sandwich and says, hey, come on, you know, that guy, that guy's horrible. You can confide in me. What what really happened? You know, we're going to get you off the hook.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes sp- it's a little bit like that. Oh, yeah, certainly there, there's no bad cop. Ever. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting how we're perceived. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's a perception. How, it is a and perception. And things are revealed. Yeah, it is a perception. either of us, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, you know, I think doctors represent uh, an authority figure uh, yes, to some extent. Yes. Uh, in some cases, the you're actually more threatening to the patient because, you know, the patients can have a nice conversation with me about all the medical stuff. But then when it comes down to, uh, you know, where the rubber meets the road, you know, the nutrition, they, they are a little bit uh, intimidated by you thinking that you're going to Lower the boom that you're going to be like a draconian taskmaster, you know, ordering them to be on the most uh, restrictive diet, you know, so they kind of, you know, sheepishly enter your room, you know, with eyes cast downward, yes. you know, yes. but then, And the
1: rest of that body language is they fold up, yes. they fold their arms, they cross their legs, you know, but then they, they look like they want to flee,
0: but then they're relieved <laughs> to see that you're really Not so bad after all, and that you're, you know, you pretty much adapt to, uh, you know, what the on the ground circumstances are, you know, because there's there's no point in
1: where they are, exactly. Simply have to meet them where they are, exactly.
0: So, uh, what you may hear, I don't know if you're hearing in the background, but you may hear uh, the whoop whoop of uh, sirens in the background. Uh, that is because, uh, today I'm under siege.
1: Uh, oh, right.
0: So, you have full. Full disclosure, we're actually doing this podcast uh, via uh, Skype. Uh, You are located in Queens, and I'm located Mm -hmm. on the Upper East Side, right adjacent to the UN. And I'm under siege today. Uh, In fact, for for those of you who are in the tri-state area listening to this, uh, you know that the weather is really beautiful this time of year. And this is like a really beautiful, uh, you know, early fall-like day. Uh, It's not officially fall, but it's like the last couple of days of summer. And uh, so this morning I I was anxious to take a run, you know, because I've been, you know, running in in hot, really adverse conditions, having to get up really early to beat the heat. And and this morning it was, was, you know, uh, nice, cool, low humidity, sunny, little breeze. Uh, And I went outside and I could not get out of the cordon that surrounded my building on the oh. side of new york i i try i i gave up the going UN south and
1: the, the annual meetings at the un right yeah, and I, biden's in town today apparently
0: i gave up going south because i live slightly north of the un so i said don't don't go there that's a mess uh, then i tried mm-hmm. to go north and literally they had the streets blocked so that I was literally locked in. So it's kind of a good idea that we didn't go to work today. And I also, had we had scheduled patients today, I, I pity the poor patient who would have tried to come in uh, by even by public transportation because oh, yeah. is a mess today. It's a mess. So it you know, I think it was uh, discretion is the better part of valor. We didn't schedule patients today and that was good. Um yeah. But so, so I. I was all dressed up in my running togs and ready to go, so (laughs) I had to turn around and go run inside on a treadmill on a beautiful day, which is a little, little disappointing, but hey, Got it, got it done. You know, you got you got had, it done. You got to adapt. You know, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> life hands you a lemon. You got to squeeze it and, you know, turn it Make lemonade. lemonade. Make lemonade, yeah. So, uh, got, got my work done in. Um, yeah, so you might hear that, that whoop, whoop, you know, of the, of the uh, police sirens outside as they dart around, you know, picking up uh, dignitaries and black limousines. You know, SUVs are all over the place. And uh, t- today's particularly bad day because it was like I think it was Biden, uh, Netanyahu, and uh, you know a bunch of other world leaders are, are running around this part of town. Wow! Um, yeah, I went yeah. to a, I went to a Japanese restaurant uh, the other night with some friends, and it was nearby uh, the UN. It's actually New York's uh, oldest and original sushi restaurant, started in 1963. It's called Nippon. The, it, mm. Would you believe that there was. There was just one sushi restaurant in New York in 1963. It's the original one. My goodness. Yeah. And they kind of spawned the whole, you know, Japanese food. I'm sorry, did I say Chinese? I meant Japanese.
1: No, you you said Japanese.
0: Japanese, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they are uh, the originals, and they've been doing it for, you know, that's that's 60 years, right? Uh, Wow. It's 1963. And, you know, well before I even had sushi, I think I first had sushi in the, maybe the late 70s or early 80s. Um, And I
1: don't think I had sushi till the 90s. Yeah, they,
0: they also, uh, they also serve this, this dish called blowfish, which is highly poisonous Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't have that, did you?
0: No, because it's it's not even in season. It wasn't an option. But I'm, I'm sure oh, it's, ve- it's very expensive. They say they have to get a special license from the New York yes. City Health Department to be able to serve it. <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: A- but, and I believe and I believe, as they butcher the fish yeah. that certain parts of it, the poisonous parts, need to go in a special container and out a certain way.
0: Yeah. It's like a biohazard. It is, it is a biohazard. How do
1: you order that?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind okay. of like uh, it's kind of a, a culinary high wire act. You know, it's kind of like uh, bungee jumping or something like that, but with food.
1: I'll pass on that one too.
0: You know what I'm saying? Or, or like, yeah. have you, you know, have <laughs> yes? You, if, if you like skydiving, you know, you might like uh, eating uh, blowfish, but at uh-huh. least it's in a reliable restaurant. And I said, you know, do you also have like insurance for this? And they say, yes, we pay a higher premium because we serve uh, blowfish. Uh, and actually, you know, I looked it up. And in Japan, uh, there was a, an episode recently of a guy who died eating blowfish at a less reputable restaurant. It wasn't uh, acknowledged by the Japanese Ministry of uh, Sushi or whatever. You know, they, they have some regulatory body night. in Japan that licenses places to serve the blowfish. So it, um, it's a very potent, uh, neurotoxin, uh, it's something yes. that uh, causes, uh, you know, paralysis of, uh, the respiratory muscles and can kill you. So it's a, it's a well-known toxin. In fact, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, some of the sinister secret services of the world have used uh, blowfish toxin, uh, to off some of their, uh, political dissidents and adversaries. Yeah, I think that's mm. that's been in the cards. So not that they they didn't have to serve them the blowfish, they could take minute amounts and I don't know, stick it on a you know a little syringe and then stick it in some guy. Are you
1: the ideas man for for the Secret Service? <laughs> <laughs> Being that there's so much Secret Service in your part of town today.
0: <laughs> I, I think. Uh, wait, you know, I'm hearing some pounding on the door here. There Are might you doing be, some consulting
1: might, work on the side? <laughs> they
0: might be monitoring this this conversation. You know, I. Yeah. I you know, it, it, it kind of makes me feel weird because I was walking back from the gym, you know, with my uh, iPhone uh, and a little wallet in my hand. And it was, you know, these like <laughs> a black object in my hand. And, a you know, the cops are everywhere. And, a, you know, a lady yeah. cop passed me by and she, I could see she sort of quickly and anxiously glanced at my hand, you know, and uh-huh. then, you know, over her eyes, you know, because it's almost instinctive that... <laughs> They're looking.
1: They're looking
0: for guns. Yeah, they're looking for. It's like there was a there was or an something. object in my hands, and it was you know, at first glance, it wasn't clear what it was, and she ascertained it was just, it's just a little wallet and an iPhone. So anyway, uh, let's get to, uh, we'll get to questions. Questions at drhoffman.net. Is the destination for a little bit of quiet week because, you know, it's the middle of the Jewish holiday. I think some of our listeners are, I don't know, they're getting adjusted to the uh, new work-a-day oh Yes, season. Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe everybody's watching football. You know, there's a, a medical mm. story there in football because uh, I was watching the game the other night, the, you know, the much uh, anticipated Monday night football with the Jets, uh, Aaron uh-huh. Rodgers starting, you know, the, Forty million dollar uh, wonderkind for the Jets that was supposed to salvage the season for them and put them in the playoffs, and incredibly, and you, I don't know if you heard this. You know, you don't pay much attention to the media, and you're not a big sports fan, but
1: but even I've heard about this.
0: So we're what I'm watching the game.
1: I don't pay attention to sports news, but even I heard about this.
0: I'm just settling yeah. in and watching the game, and so there's the you know, the beginning of the game is like, you know, there's a little bit you want to see, you know, what's he going to do? He's going to, there's going to be some conservative plays, you know, maybe he'll toss the ball a few yards, you know, he's not going to throw a Hail Mary into the end zone. And you're just excited to see this guy on the field. He goes back for the fourth play and there's like a safety blitz line or linebacker comes rushing in through the porous offensive line of the Jets and he scrambles back and falls in an awkward way Uh-oh. and everybody's holding their breath you know like uh oh this 39-year-old guy staked the whole season on him and he gets up and he falls back down and they say that changed. if you if you zero in on the picture you can see that his the calf that's involved is big, and what happens is when you when you when you snap your Achilles tendon that joins your mm. gastrox muscle and your to your to your uh, heel, uh, the the muscle rolls up like a window shade, and it, you get, mm. and so you can see right away that it's that that the tendon has been severed. So yeah, there's a medical story in there because the question is: Is he done? Is he done for? Because he's 39 years old. Is he going to recover? And I'll talk a little bit about it on the on the Saturday show in greater depth. You know, what are some of the ways that? Because this is an injury that you know you could equally have on the pickleball court. You know, it's pretty common. You know, you mm-hmm. go, you make a lunge for the the ball, right, and you you know, and, and you make an awkward move, and all of a sudden you and you can hear it. It's audible you can oh, hear it. No. you can hear the snap it's that is so yucky that you can it's an injury that you can hear
1: Oh. and
0: no. so uh he is now they, they he's now recuperating at his home in Malibu California he's got multiple mm-hmm. homes he's got a home in New Jersey now he's got you know rich guy and they they're the reporters are staking out his residence and they, they see a delivery truck pull up with a bunch of equipment and it's a hyperbaric unit. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: oh, wow. So he, to he's, enhance healing. He's already trying to accelerate his healing. So
1: yeah, I'm going to thinking,
0: I'm going to make a very interesting call. This is very early on. A lot of people say he's done. Even if it does heal, he's, he's still, he's not going to be the same.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, This guy is super determined. Uh, For him, it's not just about money. It's an emotional thing. Uh, He's determined to get well by any means possible. And it'd be very interesting what goes into the secret sauce of his recovery. Because the surgery is the one thing. And by the way, the surgeon who did it, you know, he does all the big athletes. Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been precedents of recovery from this. Uh, most recently, Kevin Durant made a recovery after 18 months. He was a little younger, but he's this big, tall uh, basketball player who does a lot of jumping, which is worse than being a quarterback, in my opinion. In a quarterback, um, well, basketball players don't usually get tackled. Yeah. They do a lot of jumping. And yeah. jumping puts stress on the Achilles. And so, Kobe Bryant had the surgery, too, and it was said that he wasn't the same after the surgery. He was great. But he wasn't as stratospheric in his performance after the his recovery from Achilles heel surgery. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a young uh, running back. I forget his name, but I have it in my notes who recovered in unprecedented time. He actually got this during uh, the summer during the summer training. And he was able to play in the latter half of the regular season. So he got the, the injury during uh, the off season in July and he was able to play later, you know, in the, in the, in the spring or the late winter with like a remarkable arc of recovery. So we'll talk a little bit about that because it's interesting from you know, if you're a sports fan, but it's also interesting because Achilles tendon ruptures occur to a lot of people and uh, yes. there's, you know, different ways to manage it. So that'll be something we'll talk about on the Saturday show. Okay, so finally, um Yeah if we have time. Yeah, let's let's talk about this. Um patients stuck with a hundred and seventy-six thousand dollar bill after Medicare policy switch. Okay. So here's the story. Guy has uh Crohn's disease. He gets mm-hmm. an injectable monoclonal antibody medication, which you see advertised on TV, Stellara.
1: And oh, uh, yes, Delora,
0: yeah. Has to be injected. We know that some of our patients take that. Uh, mm-hmm. So so he, uh, he went to a Sacramento area clinic every two months so a nurse could give him an injection of this drug. Now, it can be self-injected, but the problem with this guy, he's 84 years old and he has Parkinson's disease. He says, quote, I shake like a bug making it impossible to safely no. give himself the injections. So he needs to get the injections in the clinic. Uh, Stelara is among the most expensive drugs on the market. Check this out. It costs upwards of $40,000 per dose. There's a rule. That it's may-
1: ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, How does anyone afford this?
0: Well, here's Except the the oh,
1: ultra-wealthy.
0: Hang tight. Medicare had always paid for his injections under Part B, which covers drugs delivered by a yeah. doctor's office or a clinic with his co-payments covered by his supplemental plan, which he had co-payments because there's going to be a balance. He said, I never had to pay a thing. But all of that changed on October 15, 2021, unbeknownst to this guy, as well as to the clinic that continued administering his injections for another seven months. So they kept going. Uh He filed a lawsuit. (laughs) The Center for Medicare Advocacy filed a lawsuit on behalf of Bites and another patient because it's it's happened. There's a policy shift. Uh, Although he was not aware of it at the time, each injection he received at the clinic after October 15th cost him $43,543.47. A total of $176,000 because they changed the rules about getting it uh so uh, anyway unbelievable so uh
1: and i'll bet he was not notified yeah or and even if the clinic was they either didn't get to it in their mountains of paperwork or they maybe took advantage they decided that it it was too profitable for them to continue whether it was going to be paid for by medicare or by the patient, which yeah. is also something. Well, I think that goes I think on.
0: they were remiss in not letting him know that the rules had changed. That, you know, how yeah. is he going to know? They should know. Anyway, yes. Uh, the now to get these types of drugs covered, Medicare beneficiaries, uh, including those with frailty, movement, or seizure disorders, must get them from their Part D drug plan pharmacies. Most of which require high copays if they even cover expensive drugs like Stellar at all. Then. They must inject it themselves or find a qualified person who could safely do it for them. But here's the workaround. So this guy finally, you know, he's aware of this. He says he stopped going to the clinic for injections. He now pays his drug plan $1,390 in cost sharing for a restolaridose, which is a lot, but it's a heck of a lot better. And he has a retired friend who is a retired health provider give him the shots. Which would be, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, work work around the system. I mean, is it, is it legal? You know, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it doesn't require, like, a rocket science to give an injection if you're stump trained in giving injections. And he gets the injections. He doesn't have to pay for uh, the, the $43,543.47. Uh.
1: <laughs> you know what I want to know? I want to know, is the Stellara helping him?
0: Well, that's the other question. I mean, and then, you know, we can get into the whole thing about. Uh, hmm. uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know. The, the.
1: But my goodness.
0: And we've had patients for whom Stelara wasn't enough, you know, and they came to us because they wanted additional help from a I holistic yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and problems like I think one patient was taking stellar and he got tuberculosis. I remember that. Oh. Because that that's actually a, a because it suppresses the immune system, it, it can you know most patients must be tested for tuberculosis before yeah. starting it. But I guess he did get tested, but then he acquired tuberculosis, and it you know wasn't like he was you know uh, traveling through the slums of Calcutta, you know, to get it, uh or uh, Mumbai. He he got it in the ordinary course of living because his immune system was suppressed. But anyway. Uh, we, digress. we digress.
1: But I have to just say this: yep. He paid for the, he paid dearly for the tuberculosis, didn't he? Out of pocket.
0: You're <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, all right. Okay.
0: So okay, uh, shall we get to? Actually, we have more comments this week to we do talk about
1: we do. Actually, this comes from a Dr. Uh, Caslow about your recent article uh, about integrative medicine. He says, I agree with you wholeheartedly on this article. You verbalize what I think congruently. Of course, as MDs, it is self-serving, but if there had been a better way, we would have done it. My motto is provide corrective, comprehensive, and contextual care. I'm going to start calling it intelligent medical care to de-emphasize the label alternative medicine.
0: Great. Yeah. Because um, I think, you know, we as physicians in this field of integrative medicine, uh, we have advantages, but we also have disadvantages. Because some would say that we were indoctrinated into conventional medicine and that we practice a less pure form of integrative medicine. So, Mm -hmm. some people would prefer to see an integrative uh, chiropractor uh, or a a naturopath who made a choice to go into an alternative pathway of healing rather than someone who, quote, sold out and went to medical school and, you know, spent uh, years learning about pharmacology and, you know, surgery and high tech medicine. Um, And so. You know, I have to say that when I look at a medical condition, and and you're aware of this, I really look at it from both perspectives. I look at uh, where conventional medicine might be beneficial, but also where it might be overkill or harmful. And Mm -hmm. if there is an option to minimize dependency on conventional medicine. You know, for example, is it really necessary to take a statin? Is it really necessary to go a surgery? Is it really necessary to uh, take a blood pressure medication or a diabetes medication? You know, on and on it goes. Um, yeah. On the other hand, because I'm an MD, um, I'm really responsible. You're very, very responsible for the well-being and outcome of the patients. You know, not just. Uh, you are from a liability standpoint, you know, like yes. I could be sued, but also from the standpoint of, you know, that's my, my commitment. I, I, the patients must, must, must get, uh, the best possible treatment, whatever that is, whatever it yes. is. Yes, And, you know, I think that's, that's the thrust of that article. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's gotta be the best possible outcome. Sure. Or the most successful outcome or the best shot. At a successful outcome for the patient, absolutely,
0: yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's why I call the program you know intelligent medicine because I mean I don't know maybe it's a little conceited you know <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's you know um, I'm smart you know no it the point being is that we try to use the best of high tech and the best of natural and right uh, the outgrowth of that was uh, a book that I wrote I believe that book came out in the late 90s originally that book was going to be called the baby boomer repair manual and then uh you know we sat around at a big oaken table of simon and schuster and they said well you know baby boomers it's kind of a narrow audience Hmm. Mm. what do you mean narrow there's like 70 million baby boomers (laughs) you know it's like right (laughs) They said let's you know they said they kind of watered it down they called it intelligent medicine and i was a little unhappy with that choice but now, I'm, I'm very happy to brand myself, you know, yeah. website as the, you know, the Intelligent Medicine Newsletter, the Intelligent Medicine yes. Media Program, form, formerly Health Talk. So, thought.
1: that's where that was born. That's, huh. how that,
0: that's how that came about, yeah. So, um, there, you know, there's a book and, you know, you can buy it for, you know, about 35 cents uh, in the remnant section of, you know, many dusty bookstores or online, <laughs> um so yeah i mean that's that's where it came from but um i i think i better write if i'm gonna write the baby boomers repair manual i better write it pretty quickly while there's still some baby boomers around
1: right Right. hey i'm the last year of the baby boomers 1964 you know so you're,
0: you're you have kind of a weak case for being a baby boomer you're sort of a. It's
1: 1946 to 1964. Officially. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. See,
1: this well, is. So you w- think I'm on the cusp?
0: Yeah, you're really of on Generation
1: the Generation X? I'll
0: tell you what the defining um, event was for the end of the baby boom was actually the year before, 1963, uh, November 22nd, 1963, which is the oh. date of the assassination of JFK. Yes. And yes. I think that was. Uh, The end of the era because the 1960s changed everything and that's when we were young we were growing up many of us were uh, you know young pre-adolescents and young teenagers the baby boom generation and that uh, you know it's it's often the, the things that happen in your formative years define your personality. So how could we say that your personality was defined by the '60s? Because you, what you were like six years old, you know, in the '60s, you know, in in, in 1969, which was a very important and, year.
1: Yeah, and and my mother was six months pregnant with me when that assassination happened.
0: Right. So you experienced yeah. it in utero. So I don't know if that's really yes. going to you know, have a <laughs> lasting <laughs> impression. But everything changed in 1963. The society changed. Um, yeah. The 1960s were a time of like riots uh, and and a, a sexual revolution uh, mm-hmm. and a psychedelic revolution and a political revolution. And the Vietnam War was going on. And, you know, there was literally rioting in the streets and on campus. Um and, uh, it was, it was, uh, I think that was a time where the, um, personality of, of the, my generation was, was formed, you know, mm-hmm. and in, and in the seventies, you know, and then, the mu- by the way, musical revolution, right? Musical revolution for sure. Right. Right. You know, cause. Except I, re- I
1: never made it to Woodstock. I was only five.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was, I was too young to go to Woodstock. I, I, I'm sorry I missed it, but I was in California and. You know, if if I'd been a year older, I would have been in New York at college, Columbia. And, Mm. okay. So, um, all right. We are, we're sort of riffing off topic here, but we'll get right back on in part Uh two. Uh, Give us a preview of what we're going to talk about in part
1: two. Oh, I have a friend with ulcerative colitis and osteoporosis. And every time she gets a Prolia injection, the colitis flares. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I hope she's not paying $43,000 per injection because... Oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah.
0: Okay. We'll talk about that uh, when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today with Layla Mutin, it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.